0: A very blessed morning to each and every one of you. Let me begin by taking a vote and listen carefully to these two statements and I'm going to ask you to indicate whether you agree or not. The first statement is this. You are in the house of the Lord. Who agrees? Okay. Anyone doesn't agree you're in the house? (laughs) Okay. Second statement is this. You are the house of the Lord. Of the Lord, who agrees? Okay, so there were more votes for you are in the house of the Lord, and maybe slightly less on you are the house of God. Well, today we are going to look at this very theme, and my uh, my uh, proposal to you today is that from Pentecost, which we remembered last weekend, from Pentecost. The church, meaning you and I, not just the church building, but you and I, we are God's new temple. We are the spiritual house that God dwells in, right? In fact, one of the most significant themes of the Bible is the theme of the temple. And you see this theme running across the entire scripture In essence, the temple theme reflects God's desire to live together with us, his creation. In fact, Old Testament scholars view the created world, the garden in Eden, as the first temple where humanity created in the image of God would dwell In his presence, but when Adam and Eve chose to rebel against God's created order, they were expelled from the presence of God, from the temple, as it were. However, as we read in scripture, God did not abandon humanity, isn't it? He chose a people, the nation of Israel, and over the history of Israel, God's presence was with his people and it would be symbolized in various ways. From the tabernacle in the book of Exodus and then the first temple that was built by King Solomon in 1 Kings. But this first temple was destroyed by the Babylonians. And then there was a second temple that in the book of Ezra, we see the Jews rebuilding the temple, but this temple, second temple, that was completed actually by King Herod, was destroyed in AD 70 by the Babylon, by the Romans by the Romans. Now on the Temple Mount, if you were to go to Israel, you will not see a temple there. Instead, you will see uh, the dome of the rock, an Islamic shrine. The only visible remnant of the Jerusalem temple now is the Western Wall, the holiest site for modern-day Jews. And so you might ask, is the temple still relevant for us today? Disciples of Jesus Christ, the church in the New Testament. And my answer is yes. Yes. For we are the temple. The temple is now the New Testament church, and we are the church. And today we're going to be looking at 1 Peter 2, which gives us a description of the New Testament church. Let us read from Scripture now. From 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, would you just read along with me, starting from verse 4. As you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to Him. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And this is the word of the Lord. Now, the audience of Peter's letter is set out in verse 1 of his letter. Essentially, the letter was written to the Christian churches scattered about in cities in Asia Minor or modern-day Turkey. And they comprised mainly of Gentiles, meaning non-Jews. But there were also some Jews in their midst. Now, in verse 5, when we Read that, you would have noticed that Peter addressed these predominantly Gentile Christians using phrases as spiritual house, a holy priesthood, spiritual sacrifices. And what Peter is doing is that he's using terms that were reserved for the Jerusalem temple, the sacred temple of the Jews. And he was using these terms that were meant for the worship at the Jerusalem temple, applying them to the Christian congregations comprising of Gentiles and Jews. And and what this means, the implication, is that the temple in Jerusalem is now no longer the center of God's purposes. In fact, as I mentioned earlier, in AD 70, it would be destroyed by the Romans. But now, the Church of Jesus Christ takes center stage in God's purposes. We, Gentiles and Jews comprising the Church of Jesus Christ, believers of Jesus Christ, we are the new temple of God. And from today's text, I will be speaking on three emphases of the New Testament Church Firstly, the priority of worship of Christ. Secondly, the presence of God is with us. And thirdly, we, all of us, we are the priesthood of all believers. Let's begin with the priority of worship. Verse 4 says, as you come to him. You know, the phrase come to him in the Greek, which is uh, used in the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of of the Old Testament, is alludes to a drawing near to God. It means to come to God, to hear God speak, or to come to God to offer sacrifices in worship. It is a worship word. As you come to Jesus, is a call to prostrate, to worship this living stone. And so in the age of the New Testament, which we are living in, instead of going to a physical temple, whether in Jerusalem or Timbuktu or somewhere else, we, worshippers of Jesus Christ, we come to Him, the living stone, to worship Him, to prostrate before a person, the person of Christ. By referring to Jesus Christ as the living stone and by quoting in verse 6, Isaiah 28, verse 6, referring to Jesus as the cornerstone and referring to Jesus as the living stone earlier in verse 4, Peter is suggesting that Jesus is now the chosen and precious cornerstone of the church. Right? Jesus is the cornerstone of the New Testament church. We come to him in worship. But just as a matter of uh, interesting point that you may be um, uh, interested to know, do you know where the cornerstone of Wesley is? There is a cornerstone somewhere around here. And it was only earlier this year that I, I discovered... Anyone knows? Cornerstone. How about anyone? Okay. Well, the cornerstone... Is here, somewhere there, okay? But please, after the service, don't scramble there, okay? But uh, of course, Pastor Raymond is also a cornerstone of our church. But the big C, the cornerstone of the New Testament church, is Christ, okay? Is Christ. You know, the cornerstone is the most important stone, it is the first stone laid in a building's foundation. And it really sets the stage for the other stones, isn't it? It determines the position of all the other stones. And so when we come to Jesus in worship, He is the foundation of our church. He is the cornerstone. And so when we come to Him, it's not to tell Jesus what to do. It's not to get something from Him, as it were. But rather we come to align with Him, to pledge our allegiance to him, It is to recognize he is the foundation of our lives and it means willing to allow Jesus, the living stone, to shape us, to change us, to break the tyranny of self, self-will and self-rule within us, that we may be surrendered to him in worship and to make him truly the cornerstone of our lives. And this is how we are saved, through worship, through faith in Christ. In fact, in C.S. Lewis says this, Look for yourself and you will find in the long run only hatred, loneliness, despair, rage, ruin and decay. But look for Christ and you will find him and with him everything else thrown him. And so we come to the living stone to find hope to find true peace for we will not have peace until we are rested in this living stone. Moving on, from the prior, moving on from that point to another point mentioned in verse 4. Verse 4 states that the living stone is rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to Him. You know, we live in a world where many, whether today or in history, have rejected this living stone. But we're told here that God has chosen this stone as infinitely precious. God, in fact, has raised him from the dead. He has given him the place of highest honour. And so when Paul writes to these Christians in Asia Minor, who are suffering from rejection and persecution because of their faith in Christ because they have chosen to follow Christ and to reject pagan worship. He's telling them that their Messiah, their living stone whom they worship, was also rejected. And even as they are now rejected, marginalized and persecuted for following this living stone, for following Christ. And just as Christ was vindicated by God, God will also vindicate them vindicate them one day. Verse 6 says that the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. And so friends, whatever situation you're in today, if you are rejected, persecuted because of your faith, know this. The one who trusts in Jesus in this living stone will never be put to shame. God will rescue you. God will vindicate you in your situation. Trust in Him, the living stone. Moving from the priority of worshiping this living stone, worshiping Christ, we move into the presence of God, the second P. Verse 4 tells us that as we come to Him, the living stone, and then in verse 5 it says that you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. What this means is that when we come to this living stone in worship, we who are dead stones, dead in our sin, we are somehow also transformed from deep within to become like living stones. Right? We are, and we are being built into a spiritual house. When we worship Christ, the living stone, we are transformed to become like living stones being built into a spiritual house. And this term spiritual house would cause the Jewish uh, uh, readers to think of the, the, the Jerusalem temple. But in this case, this spiritual house refers to a house not built with dead stones, but of living stones. And we are the living stones. And this means that when we come to Jesus to worship, Something happens to us. We are transformed from dead stones to living stones. And we become the new temple of God. The spiritual house where the presence of God chooses to dwell. What a privilege that God chooses to dwell amongst us, my brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, when I was in India some years ago on a Wesley missions trip, I had the privilege to dedicate a new church building uh, for a very small Indian uh, Christian community. The church building looked incomplete with a tin roof, unfinished walls, but for these Indian Christians, it was a significant thanksgiving. Most of them came from the lowest caste or outside the caste system, and they were marginalised. And so my message to them was this, that God loved them as they are, and God was present with them. My friends, God is not concerned with how impressive our church structures are, but God is more interested in us, whether our hearts truly yearn for Him, to worship Him, for we are his living stones. We are the spiritual house that he is interested in, not the external infrastructure, but rather the internal posture of our hearts. You are not spectators, my friends. You are participants of holy worship. You are his spiritual house. We don't go to church. We are the church. And may all those who come to worship here with us as living stones, as his spiritual house, may all who come worship the one and true and living God, for he dwells with us. Amen? Moving on to the priesthood of all believers, First Peter tells you and I, in fact, that we are spiritual house, but we are active participants as a holy priesthood. We are to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices unto God. You know, not all of us are called to full time vocational ministry, but under the new covenant, we are all priests. We are all priests because we have direct access to God the Father through Jesus Christ by the blood of the Lamb. Right? Tell the person next to you you are a priest. You are a priest. I'm not the only one. I'm not, we are not the only priests here. All of us are priests, okay? Because you can pray to God. You are a child of God. But rather than just simply offering physical sacrifices of animals, we now offer spiritual sacrifices, meaning that we offer, as Romans tells us, our bodies as a living sacrifice unto God. We offer the totality of our lives. We are called... My friends, Living Stones, fellow priests, to bring the presence of God wherever we go. Whether whether in our homes, in our schools, in our workplaces, in our communities, and also here amongst us in church. We are ready to pray and minister to others because the Holy Spirit dwells in us and we bring the presence of God wherever we go. We go. And this year's theme is discipleship in the family. And as parents, you are called to be a priest to your children at home. And don't leave it just to the teachers at children's ministry between and youth ministry. But parents, we have a role to pray for our children, to teach them how to interact with this living God, teach them how to be living stones, how to come before the living stone, to build this spiritual house, to offer spiritual sacrifices to Him by serving and honouring God with our gifts. And it is when we model to our children how to be priests wherever we are that they catch a glimpse of what it means to serve the one and living God. Consider serving as a family in a ministry in church or with the outreach and social concerns, ministry on missions, to journey as a family, to grow as priests as a family. Church, our mission as the new and true temple of Christ is to extend God's spiritual house from Fort Canning to our homes, to our workplaces, to our society, to the ends of the world. That's what we're called to do, to build the spiritual house of God to the ends of the world. One senior pastor recently shared with me this poignant story of the vital role we play as priests to a broken world. Some years ago, he was contacted to conduct an urgent baptism in hospital, and he was under the impression that he would be baptizing an infant, a child. But when he arrived, he saw an adult male lying on the bed, gravely ill, and this male had Down's syndrome. But not only that, his parents and family, to his surprise, were from a different faith. Were all from a different faith. And they said to him, you know, in, in our worldview, in our, um, in our background, this, this son of ours with Down's syndrome, who is now gravely ill, is perceived... be an unfortunate event, a tragedy, someone who perhaps God is even angry with, someone who has no hope. That's the worldview we live in. We contacted you because we heard that in your faith, you see people like him differently. And perhaps there might be hope in your faith. And so the pastor assured them, assured them that this this young adult or this, this adult that was on the bed, gravely ill with Down syndrome, assured them that this person, this son of theirs was loved by God. He was God's creation. He was not abandoned. He was a child of God. And he prayed and he baptized a man on the bed. Though he passed on subsequently, he is now safe in the arms of the Lord. That is the hope we bring as priests to a broken world, my friends. Where there is no hope, we bring the hope and presence of God. How might we be priests wherever God has placed us, whether in our homes, workplaces, in our schools? How may we offer God's comfort amidst despair? How may we offer glimmers of hope amidst the darkness of the land? How might we extend as, as living stones God's spiritual house in the broken world? My friends, that is our calling. Not just to be, um, not just to, to, to watch worship happening on a weekend, but to be active participants as priests of God, Now at this juncture, allow me to make a personal statement. I've worshipped, journeyed with you, served with you to build this spiritual house for five and a half years. However, it is with some sadness that I have to say that this is my last sermon here in Wesley. As was announced last year, I'll be entering the new season from 1st July uh, this year, where I'll be on overseas study leave for two years. Other than my home church, Wesley is the only other local church that I've had the privilege of being a part of. And I thank God for your welcome, for your hospitality, for your generosity. And you have shaped me and spurred me to be the pastor I am today. And I seek your forgiveness if I have disappointed you or stumbled you in any way. But I shall always remember you in my prayers for the destiny that God has for you as his spiritual house as his living stones and I covered your prayers for me as I continue my journey as a pastor in a Methodist church. Let me conclude. Over the past century, hundreds of impressive church buildings in the West from the US to the UK to Europe have been converted to other uses from places of worship activities of decadence because the living stone has been rejected. In a world that has rejected Jesus, it is you, my friends, my brothers and sisters in Christ, it is you that God has chosen. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and you are God's special possession. And don't you forget that high calling. In a world that has rejected and trashed The name of Jesus, my friends, you are the ones who are called to praise the name of Jesus, to witness to his sacrificial love, to proclaim his hope in a world of darkness. And even though we live in a culture that is increasingly hostile towards Christ, my friends, let's press on, for the book of Revelation tells us of the perfection of God's temple when Christ comes again. First 1 of chapter 21 of Revelation says that, there, that the prophet tells us, John tells us, that he saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And he saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God into this world. And then he heard a loud voice from the throne saying, "Lo, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell among them. My friends, the day will come when the Lord will be fully and perfectly present amongst us. No more tears, no more suffering. And so what we do with our lives today, my friends, ought to prepare us for that glorious day, for that glorious day where we will be part of this glorious, perfect temple in the full and perfect presence of God. Church, living stones, you are the ones that God has called in the meantime to worship Him, the living stone, with all of your lives. You are the ones where God's presence may be found by people who are lost and broken. You are the living stones, a spiritual house. You have a destiny and calling, my friends. Will you live it out? Will you trust him to change you from deep within, to be a beacon of light, drawing people to worship our great living stone, our Christ, our Saviour? Let's now go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you. We come to you in worship. And we know that as we worship you, O Lord, you will do a deep work of transformation within us. And so, Father, strengthen us to be your witnesses wherever you have called us, so that, Lord, more and more people will be drawn to the hope that you give us in Christ. And so, Lord, we surrender ourselves to you. In the mighty name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. And all of God's people say, Amen.